Our New Testament lesson comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 9 through 20, beginning with verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of, the, of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Tiatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Today we finish our meditations on the letters of the Lord Jesus to the seven churches in ancient Turkey, which we've been studying for the last eight weeks. Now, if you are our guest here for Easter, you might be thinking, wait a second, uh, we didn't read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We didn't read the story of Jesus' resurrection itself. Why are we reading from this weird book of Revelation on Easter Sunday. Um, before you scamper for the doors and try to sneak out, um, I'll confess I have never heard a sermon from Revelation on Easter Sunday either out of this strange last book of our Bibles. But, as we'll see, this is definitely an Easter story. And the question, of course, every Easter is how Today, in 2019, could the resurrection of Jesus one Sunday 2,000 years ago have any kind of real impact on our lives 
today? And I believe this story we've just read can answer that question in stunning ways. First, we'll see that Jesus is the living one and all that that means, or some of what that means anyway. Then we'll hear that, after all, we can be living ones too. And then finally, we'll ask, what is it exactly that living ones do? Jesus is the living one. We can be too, and what living ones do. So first, Jesus, the living one. Now, in our story, John, the writer, is imprisoned on an island. And one Sunday, he hears somebody speaking. And naturally, he turns around. Here's a quick spoiler. Uh, It's Jesus that's speaking. But he doesn't say so right away, does he? Verse 12, he begins to paint a picture with words of this person who has startled him. And now, if we all got out pen and paper, and we started to try to draw, literally, this description as we read it here, it would be a bizarre picture. It probably wouldn't be all that attractive. At best, it would be more surreal than the most surreal art of our modern age. But that's not the goal. Instead, these words and these depictions are meant to sort of wash over us, aren't they? Until we ourselves, this is the idea here, have a startling encounter with this dazzling, strange person, like John did himself. So are you ready? What's going on with this person? First, this person, verse 14, is pictured, surprisingly maybe, as a wise elder. Now, Jesus, of course, was young when he died on the cross and when he was raised. But, at least we have here evidence that after his resurrection, he gets himself what? A nice white crown of gray hair. This is actually kind of cool for me since I'm, you know, approaching 40 and I'm starting to get a crown of gray hair myself. Jesus, in his resurrected glory, gets a gray crown and he gets all the respect that goes along with this old man wisdom that he's now acquired in his resurrection. Now, if you've imagined your own resurrection body, you've probably not imagined it like this, right? You imagine yourself being more youthful than you were before. But Jesus is raised, and he shows up wearing this crown of wisdom on his head. And so, one thing that we mean when we say, Happy Easter, he is risen indeed, is... Finally, somebody who is wise is in charge. And that's great news. What else? Second, this person, John says, verse 13, has got a golden sash across his waist and a long robe all the way down to his feet. Now, in the first century, servants wore shorter robes and they wore a sash just around their waist to enable them to do their work. Wealthy, ruling class people, on the other hand, wore these long robes and these sashes across their chests. Now, Jesus came first, didn't he, as a servant and served all the way to the end. But now he shows up, long robe, chest sash, raised from the dead, and apparently wealthy, dignified, and in power. What else? Verse 14, his eyes are like 
fire. And so in this wisdom and this authority that he has, we get the sense that now he can make sharp and deep and piercing judgments. You're not going to fool this man, it seems. And then when he speaks, it's as commanding as a trumpet blast, verse 10. It's as sharp as a sword, verse 16. And then what does he say finally with this trumpet voice, with this sword mouth of his? He says, of course, that he is alive. So alive that the title on his business card now is, verse 18, the living one. And he's not just an ordinary living one either. After all, we here are more or less alive, aren't we? What's the difference? Well, Jesus sums up Easter for us, doesn't he? He says, I was dead, and look, I am alive forever and ever. You and I live, but you and I live with death chasing us from behind our whole lives long. And sooner or later, it will catch up with us. God has come to us in Jesus, the immortal one took a life and a body like ours. And the father then had to watch his only son walk through this life with death chasing him and then catching him at last, that first Good Friday. But now Jesus comes to John and comes to us as the never gonna die again one. And so when he says, verse 17, John, I know you're freaked out here, but don't be afraid. When he says to us Christians, don't be afraid. Church, fear not. He blasts these words from the trumpet of his mouth, and he does so from across, do you get this? From across the boundary of death. From the other side of the grave, we hear this blast. Can you hear it? And then I think the coolest part, which will linger on for a few moments. He jingles his keys, doesn't he, in front of John. Verse 18, he says, John, I hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, the Greeks thought that maybe Pluto, maybe Hecate, maybe some other god held the keys of death. But Jesus says, look who's got the keys. Death, once Jesus' own fierce enemy, has now become Jesus' servant. And this is where we need to turn then to our second point. It's not just that Jesus is the living one, but it's that also we can be too. When Jesus jingles these keys of his, he's actually doing two things at the very same time. First of all, he is mocking death and the wicked forces that used to hold death's keys. Paul says in Colossians 2, that when Jesus died and in his resurrection, he made a public mockery of the powers of death by defeating them in his own death. John Owen calls this the death of death in the death of Christ. He stole the keys of death right out of their hands and now he jingles them right in front of their faces, humiliating them. John Donne's sonnet from 400 years ago reads, death be not proud. Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, 
for thou art not so. Death, thou shalt die. But when we hear his keys jingling from across the barrier of death, jingling in the hands of the one who died but now lives forever, the message for us is different, isn't it? There's a little picture of what this means in verse 17. John looks at Jesus. He falls at his feet like he's dead. Jesus comes over. He puts his hand on him. Verse 18, he jingles his keys for him. This is a little 10 centimeter painting of our own death and resurrection in Jesus right before our eyes. The same jingling of the keys that mocks the forces of darkness is meant to picture for us our glorious hope, fill us with hope. Did you know that while the New Testament is very frank and honest when it talks about death, at the same time, not once in the New Testament scriptures after the resurrection of Jesus, does any author refer to a Christian believer as having died? Every time they say instead, that a Christian has gone to sleep. Remember when the little girl died and Jesus went to her house and told the people who were weeping and wailing over her death to be quiet, that she was actually only sleeping. And they laughed at him. But then he went into her room and he said, little girl, it's time to wake up. Right there, another 10 centimeter picture of Jesus, the living one, holding the keys of death in his hands. You see, the world tries to pretend that death is just a part of life, that it's no big deal at all. But the world has no idea who is holding death's keys. But if you belong to Jesus Christ by faith, then you know who holds death's keys, don't you? Do you want to be able to look your own death in the face one day? And even while you're dying, across the border of death, hear the keys of death and hell jingling in the hand of the resurrected and living one on the other side. Don't you? Well, then take a look at the living one today. Listen to those keys jingle. Can you hear them? So Jesus is the living one. The message here is that we can be too. And then finally, one last thing. What's one thing anyway that the living ones do? What do they do? Well, of course, the New Testament is full of things that ones who are alive in Jesus do with that life that they have. But here's just one from our passage. Verse 10, when John starts telling his story, he says... On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. This might sound like, oh, I was in the Spirit, like in the Christmas Spirit or the Easter Spirit. This isn't a fuzzy, sentimental thing. John was, after all, separated from the Christians and the churches that he loved, probably imprisoned on this island of Patmos because he'd been bearing witness to Jesus, right? But he knew which day was Sunday, And with all the rest of the Christians in the world, they knew, he knew that Sunday was resurrection day. 
They worshipped right from the start on Sunday because that was the day, after all, that Jesus came up from the grave. And so it was natural, in a sense, for John to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. One scholar describes being in the Spirit for John that he was wide awake and every avenue of his soul was wide open to God. And so he joined in the worship of his church friends over in ancient Turkey. And then what happened? Well, Jesus showed up and he revealed himself to John. Now, of course, Jesus came to John in such dazzling radiance that John thought he was going to die from this experience. And that might not be what you're bargaining for today. That might freak you out a little bit. Maybe it should. But here's the thing. Maybe it's an intense experience that overwhelms you. But maybe it's a quiet, confident sense of God's peace that goes beyond all understanding. However you experience our Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead, you and I need to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We need to know that it's Sunday, that it's Resurrection Day. We need to hear and see those keys jingle in the hands of our resurrected Lord Jesus once again. And we need to be able to face our lives, don't we? And in particular, our deaths, knowing who has got those keys. In fact, we don't just need this on Sundays. We need this every day, don't we? We say that this is A.D. 2019, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, 2019. This means that whether you believe or not, every day on your calendar acknowledges the first Easter and its great significance for the world. Every day is Resurrection Day. And so every day is a chance to be where? In the Spirit, to open every avenue of your heart and your life to the living one, to be energized for whatever you've been called to do, to be empowered to love whomever you've been been called to love, to be humbled to serve whomever you've been called to serve, and to have all of this energy and empowerment and humility from the spirit of the living one. And the question is, why would you miss the chance to be in the spirit on the Lord's day, alongside your fellow believers? Why in the world would you face Tuesday, the 23rd of April, AD 2019, apart from the spirit of the living one? Mondays and Tuesdays, especially after vacation, kind of feel like death to a lot of us to begin with, right? Why not listen when you wake up and go back to your routines, to the jingling keys in the hands of the living one? as you face your daily life. What have you been called to do? Has the Lord called you to be a student right now? Before your studies overwhelm you and frustrate you, and you think, what's the point? Get yourself into the spirit of the living one who says, in me and in my resurrection, none of your labor and study is in vain. Has God given you a spouse to love and serve? Well, before you get stuck believing the lie that, well, they're never going to change, or maybe the lie that you're never going to change, 
Get yourself in the spirit of the resurrected one, the changed one. And through his eyes of blazing fire, see not just the person that they are now, but the person that they're meant to be, the person that in Christ, perhaps they're becoming, the resurrected, glorious version of them that they will soon be in Jesus. And then make yourself an instrument in the living one's hand to help them come more and more alive as they've been called to be. Are you a parent, a son, a daughter, a grandmother, a friend, a doctor, a banker, a lawyer, a teacher, a designer, a mentor? Are you a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker? Are you hoping that you have maybe 40, 50, 60 even years of life ahead of you? Are you towards the end of your race and you're hoping that the Lord calls you home soon? Well, either way, tomorrow, live like it's not just another Monday. Get in the spirit and live like it's AD 2019 after all. Let your whole life be marked by the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And when it starts to feel like death, look death in the eye. And as you do, listen for the keys jingling in the hands of the living one. And you can say to death, you know what, you hear that jingle? You are no match for my Lord. In fact, the worst that you can do to me is bring me right through you and into resurrection life. And then, in the spirit, do what you've been called to do. Once again, I'm going to say, the Lord is risen. I'd like you to say, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah, shall we? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Gracious God, bring home to our hearts afresh the glorious significance of Jesus' resurrection. May we never fail to hear that the keys of death and hell are in his hands and life eternal is now his and ours in him. Give us, we pray, a glorious Easter day but a Monday and a Tuesday and an April and a May and a June that are marked by the resurrection of our Savior. Full of hope, full of new life, radiant, abundant life in him. Full of the gradual defeat of sin in our lives and the rising again of newness of life in our experience. And grant us such joy that many will ask us for the glorious reason for the hope that we have and we can share our Easter hope with them. We ask it in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.